Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Science of Sports podcast with Professor Ross Tucker and sports journalist Mike Finch. So one of the things that uh, Professor Ross Tucker and I uh, do is uh, we are podcasters. And for those of you who listen to the Real Science of Sport podcast, we've been doing our podcast for well over a year now. And uh, it's been amazing to see the amount of feedback we've had from people, not only on Twitter, but via our Instagram accounts and on the podcast itself. And uh, so we've opened a Patreon account. I know Ross has done this because uh, he's much more technically minded than me. And uh, we really do appreciate all of those that have supported us on Patreon because it allows us to give us a bit more time to these podcasts, add a few more podcasts than we normally would do um, because it makes it more worth our while. And uh, we want to continue to up the ante and to offer more value. And hopefully through our Patreon account, we're going to give some exclusive stuff to our patron and patron supporters as well, Ross. Yeah, patron is our VIP room, you know. So, so yeah. you make a donation, you contribute because you are grateful for... <laughs> the stuff we share with you for eavesdropping on our conversations. <laughs> and I know that, I mean, between Mike and I, obviously we're busy. We've got our day-to-day jobs and our other commitments and family and kids in Mike's case. <laughs> but so we, we do this as a as a hobby in effect, but it's for something we're not going to compromise on because we love it more than our day jobs, <laughs> dare I say. I hope my boss is done here. Yeah. But <laughs> so this is a passion project for us. And so when we get people who donate, it make, makes that passion all the more rewarding. And we're going to keep going, but we just say thanks to everyone who then reaches into their pockets and supports it. And as as Mike said, the, the plan is that our VIP room gets VIP treatment. So yeah. that's why we want you to be patrons. Obviously, we, we want the financial support, but we really just love the idea of community. And then we'll speak to that community and we'll share and try and add value back to them. So thanks very much for all of those of you. Who have joined us so far and keep it coming. And I think just to, just to add some extra value onto that is that one of the things we don't want to do in this podcast is have sponsors that dictate the kind of content sure. we put on this. So no. I think one of the things we do, yes, we do have advertising that doesn't compromise what we do on some of our channels, but most importantly, we want this channel to remain very objective and clear, not to be affected by any commercial concerns, which is why your support and patron is so, so good for us mm. because it allows us to deliver the right content to the people that support our podcast. Right. So. It's, it's the perfect incentive. You are you are all the end users, the consumers of the information, and the wrong incentive would be companies that then want punts and endorsements and stuff. And I'm not going to do that as a scientist because yeah. there's no integrity in that, and you're not going to do that as a journalist for the same reason. So we want you to give us the best incentives, not the perverse ones. Well, have a look at the end of our podcast in the show notes on all of your platforms. You can see the link to our Patreon account. You can also go onto patreon.com and look for the Real Science of Sport podcast and become our various tiered members. Ross, you come up with the various tiers as a final word? Yeah, so you can be an Olympic athlete for a small donation per month. If you go to $5 or pounds, I forget the currency, <laughs> then you become an Olympic champion. And then the rarefied air of Olympic legends is available for those who make a, a larger donation. So that's where we are. So come and join 
our Olympic family. It's drug free. It's cheating free. <laughs> it's all about information and sports science. And we would love to have you there. Right, so welcome to another bonus episode of The Real Science of Sport with myself, Mike Finch, and Professor Ross Tucker, and uh, the very controversial subject of masks. I think anybody that lives on Earth at the moment <laughs> knows about what yeah. masks, masks are all about, and there is so much discussion around this because, particularly in sport, uh, masks are, people say that you don't need them, you do need them, that you're protecting others, you're not protecting yourself. Can you breathe through them? I've seen stuff on the interwebs and on social media where a very good um, local physical therapist um, actually tweeted the other day that some friend of hers had died because she had worn a mask during a hard run and had created some sort of problem with her lungs. Mm. So we're trying to really kind of break this down. And I know, Ross, you've done a lot of work with um, some local gyms here in South Africa around this. But mm. let's start at the, let's start with some of the basics around masks and sport. Why do you wear a mask when you are performing sport and should you? Well, you never have before yeah. uh, 2020, right? This is one of the many wonderful things this year has given us. <laughs> and just for the benefit of listeners who are not in South Africa, I, th I think, I could be wrong, but I think we're the only country where masks have been made compulsory even when you're outdoors exercising. So in most places, for instance, in Europe, the policies are that you have to have a mask when you're indoors, mm. for instance, shops and shared spaces, indoor buses, public transport, but that you don't need them outdoors. Now, I'm not sure, probably Hong Kong, Japan, Taiwan, Asian countries have become so familiar with them. I remember actually being in Japan last year for the Rugby World Cup and the number of people on trains and subway on, wearing masks is actually quite astounding. It's just a cultural thing that's become normalized in well, it's those also because countries. they've had MERS and SARS more than we well, have experienced yeah that's exactly why and mm. I saw a quote the other day Hong Kong has been unbelievably successful at combating COVID-19 mm. and the I forget who it was it was one of their health experts said that they reckon their success is because 97 percent of people in Hong Kong wear masks and the only people who don't are tourists from the west so so the the notion of wearing a mask has become has spread out of Asia, let's let's put it that way, yeah. out of necessity. Because as we have learned more about this disease, it's become quite apparent that droplet spread is one of the main drivers. And if you are exposed to other people's exhaled or breathed or whatever you want to spoken droplets, then your risk of picking up the virus from them increases significantly. And so what masks are doing is not trapping the virus so much as actually preventing the droplets that carry the virus into the air. So the, the position right now, and there was a very good paper from the journal Lancet a few weeks back, summarized what those risk factors were. And this is the result of months worth of doing these uh, contact tracing type studies where they identify clusters, they look at the circumstances that caused the clusters, they'll study specific occasions that caused them. And they now know that there are three main risk factors. There is proximity, uh, which is obvious, the closer people are together, the more likely a transmission is, obviously. The second is duration. The longer they are together, the more likely transmission. And then the other one is confined environments. So I remember seeing two months ago, public statements in places like Japan saying, the three things you avoid are proximity, duration, and indoor. So get out, 
be distant, and don't hang about for a long time when you talk to people. And where those three risk factors interact, so you draw the old Venn diagram, that's the highest risk. Yeah. So that's why a choir practice in Washington caused 87% of people who went to it to pick up the disease. That's why a fitness class in Korea had a 26% attack rate. A call center in but Korea. But that fitness class, the guys weren't wearing masks. I don't think at that time they yeah. were for actual exercise. <clears throat> I, I stand corrected on that, but I suspect they took it off for exercise. Yeah. So, so, so what we can probably add actually to that um, that risk factor matrix of three things is when you do something that has a high capacity to spread droplets, then it's another risk factor. So yeah. singing in a choir, talking in a call center, or exercising. So out of that knowledge comes this idea that if we wear masks, we trap the droplets, we reduce the transmission, and therefore we protect other people. That's, and that's really important. The saying yeah. is, my mask protects you, your mask protects me. Yeah. And the Lancet study that I just mentioned showed that the wearing of masks is sufficient to reduce the risk quite considerably. So it's become now policy. It's also somehow become politicized, especially in the US, um, where they, I mean, they, they could, they would politicize breathing in the US right now. So it's like, <laughs> in fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone's trying to do that. Apologies to Americans. <laughs> oh, but it's actually, it is true. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's astonishing how you see it. So you've got, you've got businesses, shops and so on in the US that won't let people in if they are wearing a mask. And then you've got others that won't let people in if they are not wearing a mask, which is the situation here. Why would you not let anybody in if they are wearing a mask? What because be they in? believe that the imposition by legislation to wear masks is a violation of freedoms. Okay. And so they've, there's they've no somehow, scientific benefit to that. No, there's none at all. So they've somehow managed to turn the wearing of masks into a violation of my rights and so on. Mm. And it, mask, mask wearing now looks a little bit like anti-vaxxers. You get people who just are absolutely adamant that they will not wear a mask because they think that it's harmful, they think that it's dangerous, they think that it's ineffective or not perfectly effective, which is pretty stupid in my opinion. If 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 I was dying of dehydration and you offered me half a glass of water, I wouldn't refuse it just because it's not yeah. full. That would be dumb. Yeah. And so if, if masks are 30% effective, is that not worth worth wearing them? So the only the only case I think you can make against masks is that they create harm in other ways. And the one the one behavioral one is now I'm in a shopping center, a coffee shop, whatever it is, and because of the mask, I'm fiddling with my face, I'm touching my face, putting my hands nearer my nose and mouth more often, yeah. and that could trigger um, a, a, a spread to someone else. Yeah. We, we all know about hand hygiene now. Or because I have the mask and I've got a false sense of security, so now I spend more time indoors, I do the things that I shouldn't do in terms of distancing and duration. Th that to me is a little bit like saying, well, because my car has airbags, I don't need my seatbelts. It's dumb. You know, it's a stupid argument. Yeah. Of course, you want the airbags and the seatbelts. So yeah. you need the mask and the distancing and the minimal duration and the non-confined environments. So, so on a logical level, in my opinion, the the mask resistance movement fails in many respects. And I think it's just people being people, you know, which is a, yeah, if, if you've, <laughs> if you followed Twitter and these debates, you'll know that that's an insult. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's before we get into the details of the kind of masks you should use and when you should use them and, and, and those sort of details, because I think that's what people are mostly interested in. Can we, can we say that still, this, from what I've read and the stuff that I've seen online in terms of 
you know, not just physical activity, but also around day-to-day lives, that physical distancing is still the most effective. So if you're wearing a mask, doesn't mean you can now go and chat to your mate and, and hug him every five seconds, because the distancing thing is more important than the mask wearing. Um, but mo- so in other words, if you're, if you're, if you're wearing a mask, you're not then completely 100% stopping droplets from getting out. Yeah, so you have this toolkit and masks yeah. is one element of that toolkit. And I, I don't know, I haven't yet seen a study that quantifies the relative effect of the tools, you know, yeah. um, compared to one another. But yes, I'd say the most powerful thing is to do outdoor things. Yeah. There's a study in Japan, for instance, where they found that the risk of outdoor transmission is literally one twentieth of an indoor transmission. Yeah. So, so your chances of spreading that virus or contracting that disease when you're outdoors are tiny compared to when you're indoors, which and makes that, sense. That's even, that's even when it's, the conditions are still. I mean, I've seen stuff online where even when, when there's not wind blowing, it's yeah. still, that reduction is still significant. Yeah, and there's some discussion. I was actually listening to a podcast where a scientist was talking about this. Part of it could be UV light. Mm-hmm. It doesn't explain whether you know why it doesn't happen at nighttime <laughs> yeah. but part of it might be uv light that actually like prevents transmission but part of it's also air movements even on a still day mm. where you just don't get the dose you know the so-called infectious inoculum the amount that's required to trigger a case is just low enough when you're outdoors that the risk is massively massively reduced it's part of the reason why even with sport returning we've had cases now of players contract the virus we haven't yet seen them cause clusters within their communities with their teammates you know you get yeah. a you get a player test positive it's the only one he doesn't infect 10 other people yeah. the way we've seen so i i think outdoors and then of course proximity if i'm four meters from you it's less risky than if i'm one meter from you yeah. this is obvious that makes sense know? yeah and and then I think the masks make a difference. So there's not yet been a study that quantifies the benefit. The Lancet study did try to do that, but they're all observational studies and, and just sort of cohort studies, not really designed for this purpose. But they estimate the risk. The odds are now down to about 0.2, which means it's a 20% risk mm. compared to not wearing a mask. Yeah. Now yeah. that's that's big. That's huge. So effectively yeah. what we're saying is that wearing a mask is a vaccine because it protects the community. And that's why you need more people to wear them. It's, yeah. it's not a question of, oh, I'll take my chances. The problem is when you take your chances, you also force other people to take theirs. Yeah. It comes back to that analogy I used last time is juggle knives in your own house. That's fine. They're <laughs> your fingers. But don't juggle knives outdoors where you could actually hurt other yeah. people. And that's yeah. where this comes. There was another study just finally on masks because I'm, I'm quite – passionate about this they may not be perfect they may not even be necessary outdoors but just wear the thing because the the cost benefit is so favorable um in the u.s in the states where masks are mandated as a policy the number of cases have dropped since lockdown was released so even though people are interacting more businesses are returning economic activity is returning with admittedly some restrictions case numbers are down in the states where there is no policy where it's optional not compulsory cases are up enormously and a paper quantified that and it showed that from the day that the government or the the state government institutes a policy making masks mandatory the case numbers drop whereas if they make it uh optional case numbers go up so mm. these are I know, not i know in some republic like republican depending on states you are if you're republican states 
are having a high rise <laughs> in COVID cases compared to Democrat states. Exactly. That's so when incredible. you look at a when you look at a map now of of the of the cases and where they're growing, it does resemble the political yeah. schisms incredible. in the US. There are, by the way, there are some confounding factors there. Those states where you see the cases going up are also more on the south where it's hotter which forces people indoors and to use air conditioning. So that yeah. could actually be adding. So you see this picture so complex. It might not it's be political so, after all. It's yeah. what's that then? It might not be political after all, but we don't know. There's definitely an element of the politicization yeah. and yeah. people's defiance and young, like now, for instance, all the cases that they're adding in this regression and this new growth are younger people, mm. much more than before. It's because they're the people going out and engaging with one another in groups and potentially yeah. spreading it. So... Yeah, so without offering a political insight, we, we stick to the physiology of it. The, mm -hmm. the point is, I think, that the, the benefits of the mask are so great, theoretically, compared to the costs, as long as you're sensible, that you have to do it. Now, the question is, do you do it for exercise? Well, let's, uh, let's get on to that because it's like debunking some of the myths. So first of all, is, is wearing a mask dangerous when you're exercising? For healthy people, absolutely not. But I'm it's, breathing in my own carbon monoxide. But so little, so little. So that's the one theory. So the, 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 two, the two reasons for danger, the way that they're explained, is number one, what you've just said. I'm going to breathe out carbon yeah. dioxide. I trap that carbon dioxide between my mouth and the mask. And the next time I breathe in, I breathe in my carbon dioxide. And that causes what's called hypercapnia, high mm -hmm. carbon dioxide, which can, at high levels be toxic and it causes all kinds of things that we you, you don't want to have happen yeah if you are however a healthy person then you can deal with the amount of carbon dioxide you are rebreathing without any complication at all now they know this because who wears masks normally other than other than now this crazy 2020 who was wearing these masks it was medical professionals yeah surgeons and nurses and doctors in hospitals but they weren't exercising that's true. So, so the ventilation rate was low enough. Yeah. But then people aren't exercising when they go to the shops. No, but and we're talking specifically about exercising. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we deal first with the general use of masks and people are saying that I'm going to get this issue when I'm buying my groceries, no, no come on, get over yourself yeah. and deal because you're not breathing in enough carbon dioxide to do anything to yourself in those low-stress environments. Yeah. Yeah. When you exercise... A couple of things happen that make it potentially more risky. Obviously, you're breathing deeper, more air per breath, and more breaths per minute. So your ventilation per minute goes up, and therefore, in theory, this problem becomes more real, as it were. Mm -hmm. the, prob the, the problem with that theory is that the, the dead space created by that mask, in other words, the volume of air that now sits between your mouth and the mask, is so small compared to what you're breathing in and out that the effect of that added carbon dioxide is basically diluted. Okay. So people are freaked out by breathing in their carbon dioxide, but the actual volume that they're adding to a breath is so small. So when I exercise three liters per minute in and out, that volume between your mouth and the mask is 100 milliliters or less. I mean, if you're okay. wearing a bandana or a buff or even a cloth mask, that volume is so small relative to that three liters that the effect that it has on your blood, in your lungs, and therefore your tissues, is absolutely diluted. That makes sense. It's like it's like adding a teaspoon of food coloring to a bucket of water. But it also depends on the kind of mouth covering you have. And if you were exactly. wearing a triple-layered mask, which is what most people advise now while you're exercising, that is 
restrictive. And I've run with one of those. I can't do that. But if I'm wearing a buff, and I don't know whether we get buffs um, internationally, but here in South Africa, buff is like a sort of a, a sock with the end cut off it. Hmm. Um, and it and it allows you to kind of put it over your head. And then when, you, when you're when you riding or running, you can literally lift it up above your nose when you go past people, which is what I do. Hmm. Um, so, and it's quite a, th- it's a very thin, it's a very thin material. Um, so it's literally stopping the droplets going out. That's easier to breathe than it would be if you're wearing a triple layered mask. Right. So you're saying that the effects, no matter what covering you're using, is probably still the same? No, the effect drops. So there's a trade-off here. And that's why people must understand where the risk exists and how they can manage that risk in this trade-off manner. So if I am indoors and not necessarily exercising, but surrounded by more people, I have proximity duration in a confined environment, then I want to be more careful with my mask choice and get a thicker mask. So now you're talking N95s, provided you're not taking them from medical professionals who need the PPEs. You're talking surgical masks, masks, which are again thicker materials, or you're talking like these triple layer masks that are made specifically for that purpose. Mm. And in fact, there are some modeling studies where when a person coughs wearing an N95 mask, they measure how far do those droplets go, and it's something like eight centimeters. Mm. When you're wearing a three-layer cloth mask, it's one foot, which is what's that, 30-odd centimeters, right? Yeah. When yeah. you're wearing a single-layer bandana, which I guess is like a buff for those in the US, now we're talking two meters. Yeah. So the, the less thick or the thinner, rather, your mask is, the more droplets escape from it, which yeah. is obvious. Makes sense, yeah. So now if I'm indoors, that's the situation I want to avoid. If I'm outdoors, because that risk is so much lower, I get away with a buff. So if I was running and we, we went cycling this morning, buff is fine because yeah. we're never in proximity with people indoors. No. So it's fine. You can get away with it. And so, so there are studies that have looked at the N95s. They've looked at surgical masks and so on during low to moderate intensity exercise, like walking through a hospital, which is what nurses do. No effect on carbon dioxide, no effect on oxygen saturation, nothing at all. Yeah. And that's the best quality masks. So if you put your your cloth mask on to go to the shops and you want to say that you're in danger, no, not at all. When you're exercising, maybe a little bit more, but your body is quite capable. The, the best study I saw, you, you get these masks that claim to simulate altitude. Have you seen those ones? They're yes. pretty bulky yeah, yeah. ones. They've got <laughs> valves on the side and you can change the resistance of those valves. And they make more of a seal. Because the other thing, sorry, I didn't even mention this, is in order to trap the air between your mouth and the mask, it has to make a seal around your mouth. Now, the cloth mask isn't doing that. So even when you breathe that air out, it's not all being trapped there. So the actual volume of air that you have to rebreathe is so small because of the escape of air. And and that's one of the tips is to allow a little bit of air to escape down towards your chin and you'll feel a lot better. We'll get to that. So it's impossible to say how much, I mean, obviously depends on the on the mask, but it, 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 as far as you know, there's been no studies which say that the amount of oxygen that you get in using a mask is X amount lower than it would be normally. I mean, is there anything so, that indicates, because what I, why I'm leading to this question is to say, when we talk about exercise, obviously the harder you exercise, the more you're going to breathe. So mm. is there then the advice is to like, you, you can't go and smash a 5K time trial wearing a, a, a three-layered mask, for instance. You can, but you're going to feel much worse than yeah. you would without it. So um, do we know what, what, in other words, what you would expect? How how slow would you expect to be then? Yeah, so <laughs> there are some on this, and I was busy telling you about this 
best study I saw using one of these altitude simulation masks mm. before mm. I, I detoured to the air escaping. Oh, I detoured, so that's fine. <laughs> this, what this study did, now this is a bulky mask, right? This has got a dead space of 240 mils, which is one-tenth of your tidal volume. So this is potentially quite a large rebreathing capacity or potential. And what they did there was they made fairly well-trained athletes exercise at moderate to high intensities, and they measured the oxygen saturation in the blood. And they played with this mask and they made it maximum resistance, which the manufacturer claims is about 5,000 meter altitude. That's high. I mean, that's base camp Kilimanjaro levels. In other words, it's limiting the amount of oxygen being able to be well, accessed it's, in the mask. More limiting the amount of air that can actually get in because okay. the resistance to breathing is so high right. that I just cannot move the volume of air in. So the first thing they find is that your minute ventilation, which is the total volume of air you breathe per minute, is way lower when you wear this mask, high resistance than not. So I'm exercising and I need 110 liters per minute. With this mask, I'm getting 85, 90 liters per minute. Now, that's the root cause of what happens next. Because what happens next is because you can't move as much air in, you can't move as much oxygen in, logically, right? Yeah, yeah. And now your oxygen saturations come down. Yeah. So they measured this. They measured it with the mask on, no resistance, 98% sats, which is kind of most people at rest or walking around doing daily things. When they put the mask on medium resistance, 94, 93% sats, so a little bit lower. When they put the mask- Sats, sats being saturation. Saturation. So this is the oxygen saturation of the blood. Right. So in other words, you're getting saturation of 98%. Just give me what, just explain what that number means. So when your blood is fully oxygenated, it's at 99.8% saturated. Okay. And that blood is then carrying that oxygen to the muscles where it's being used during exercise and then carbon dioxide gets sent back to the lungs, right? And, so and when, when would it be dangerously low sats? Well, give me a... so, so, okay. So, so no resistance in the mask, 98 Medium resistance, 93, 94. High resistance, 89, 90%. Okay. Right. That's about the same as when you do a relatively hard exercise bout normally. So if I go do a 5K time trial, I'm going to push my oxygen saturations down because I just cannot move enough oxygen in relative to how much I'm using in the muscles. Right. I don't want to commit to when it becomes dangerously low, but I mean, if you if you ever go to the hospital because of some illness or condition and you're in the low 80%, they're going to treat that as quite serious. Okay. During exercise, it can, it can happen without there being a problem. I remember when we did Kilimanjaro going back now, we used to measure the sats basically every morning and every evening um, to track how we were adapting to altitude. And by the time we got to base camp, which, as I said, was on 5,000, some guys were in the 60% range. Cool. They still made the summit. I mean, you're not going to feel good. Wow. But your body, your body can cope with that okay. You wouldn't want that for any long period of time. Yeah. But most, most guys on that climb were between 80 and 90%, even on the, the, the sort of highest point of the climb. So just as an aside, I mean, when you, if you're doing those things, where, where do you – where do you say, hang on a minute, there is a problem? When does it drop low enough for you to say, hang on, maybe this person shouldn't continue? Different people have different right. um, okay. sensitivities to when that drops. But one of the earliest indications of someone who's not adapting to altitude is when they wake up with lower sats than when they went to bed because it uh, means that they've desaturated overnight, which is a function of under-breathing overnight. Okay. When that happens now, this guy is vulnerable, right? And Get if that continues to happen, you've got to get him down. 
Yeah. So, so saturation does matter. So anyway, so in this study, with a huge dead space volume, maximum resistance, which is nothing at all like what your masks will look like when you're exercising with them now, cloth mask or a buff or something, you get down to about the same desaturations, SpO2s, the oxygen sats, as you would from really hard exercise. When you fly on an airplane, by the way, they, they decompress, they, they, the, the simulated altitude in the plane is at about 1,500, 2,000 meters. And you get off the plane with lower oxygen sats than when you got on. Okay. So that, so uh, so we're quite capable. That's a fun fact. Yeah. So yeah. we're quite capable. It's because that cabin's pressurized, right? Yeah. And you can't pressurize it to seal it. Well, you could, but it would be disproportionately costly. So we accept a trade-off in that respect. So the the point is that a buff, a cloth mask, a surgical mask, the kind of thing that we're being asked to wear, even during exercise in this country or indoors elsewhere does not do anything like the damage to physiology that people are f- afraid of. That said, it's not fun exercising in them. No. That's why we, oh. we wear buffs, right, you and I? I? Absolutely hate it. And I've tried to run in a cloth mask. I did a little experiment because Wattbike were kind enough to give me a, a bike to use during lockdown, saved my life. <laughs> and uh, so I jump on there and I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go five minutes with the mask, five without, five with, five without. And I played around with different intensities. No difference in heart rate. No difference in my, okay, self-assessed breathing rate. I was going to say a perception, surely. But my perception was much harder. By the end, when I'm exercising at like three and a half watts a kilo with a mask on, I felt like I was suffocating. It was terrible. Because yeah. every time I breathed in, I felt like someone had their hand over my mouth. It was Something crazy. waterboarded, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the perception increase with a mask is substantial. And that's what people are reacting to. Not a physiological change. The heart rate's the same. My cardiovascular system is quite happy doing what it needs to do. Even it though just, it's working harder. Even, it's definitely working harder. It's, it's not though. Because it's still capable of getting, it's just that my breathing is working harder. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm breathing harder to deliver the same end product to the muscles and the heart. <laughs> Make sense? Yes. And, and so, what I'm, fascinating. so what I'm perceiving to be an overall feeling of suffocation, oh man, I can't breathe, therefore my oxygen levels must be low, is actually not that. It's the fact that I'm having to breathe that much harder to defend homeostasis, which listeners may know is the balance within our body. So my heart and my lungs and my muscles have to, if I'm cycling at say 200 watts or 300 watts, whatever it is, there's a certain requirement at the at the coal face, <laughs> as it yeah. were. Yeah. And my lungs, my mechanical action of breathing is the thing that has to deliver that to the coal face. Yeah. And that's where you feel the difference, not at the end point. So it's not about the saturation being lower or the carbon dioxide or the heart rate or anything like that. It's literally just how hard do I have to work to overcome what is now a greater resistance to getting the air in and out of my lungs. So my RPE goes from 
six, six out of ten. So the rates of perceived exertion. Right. Yeah. So it's a it's a scale from naught to ten. I like to, to call it a rate of perceived enjoyment. <laughs> yeah, the inverse of that. Um, except if you're a masochist, then ten is a ten because yes. I enjoyed it and it hurt like hell. Uh, so RPE riding at three and a half watts a kilo, six, no mask. Put the mask on, eight. Oh my goodness, yeah. I feel terrible. Please, Absolutely. can I get this thing off? So, so what people have to understand is that it's going to feel more uncomfortable. Part of that, by the way, is the temperature. And what happens is you're breathing out, remember, carbon dioxide, but water vapor. Yeah. And so that mask gets wet and yeah. humid and warm because the air coming out of your mouth yeah. is like 40 degrees, it's, right? It is about the going back to that waterboarding. And that exactly. It does feel like so that. They've measured they've measured the temperature at the mouth and, and it gets up to like 40 degrees Celsius plus the humidity. The heat index around the face, the mouth covering and so on, is, is in the 50 degree Celsius range. So, so we're lucky in South Africa because we're, we're, we're going through this obviously during our winter, but mm. so you were saying overseas when we're talking the, the northern hemisphere summer at the moment, that's when it becomes significant in terms of its heat oh, impact. It could be yeah. if you're in a hot, I mean, imagine oh, like places yeah. like Singapore, Asia, yeah. the Southeast Asia, the southern states of the US. Yeah. And that's, we mentioned that earlier. So, so my perception of effort's much higher. So now mm. I've got two choices here. I can either accept that my normal 10K run at five minutes a K, eight minutes a mile, whatever it is, is just going to feel 20% harder and deal with it, okay? I'm going to go slower than I – I'm going to go the same speed as always and I'm going to feel like I'm running much faster. Okay, so let me just stop you there. So you're saying – this is why I'm I'm struggling with this concept a little bit because you're saying that there's not a performance cost? No, they're, they're, for sure they will be. Okay. So, so when I'm doing my – I'll give you an example. So a couple of weeks ago I went and ran uh, around a common that we have close by to us here in Cape Town, the Rondebosch Common, and I did a, I was going to do a 5K flat out to see where I was in terms of my 5K time. Very disappointing. But the reality was is that I, I'm, I wore the mask the whole time because there's a lot of people that go around that common and this idea of being suffocated by this mask was very strong. Right. I want to go and do that – same test on a quiet morning when I can go run around the common without without wearing a mask and not near, near anybody. And you'll be but, faster. So I will be faster. For so sure. there is so there is definitely a performance cost to this. Right. Let's, let's make that clear. So, even though the and even though because the perception, yes, your heart rate might be the same, your perception of effort is higher, but the performance cost is definitely going to be there. So you've got to you've got to anchor something. Something's yeah. got to be the same, right? So and because the mask is changing the perception, something else has to give. Yeah. in order for something else to stay the same. Right. So in other words, if you're doing that as a maximum effort around the common, your perception of effort, your exertion is the thing that's the same. Correct. But because of the mask, the same exertion is going to give you a slower pace. Yeah. Take that mask off, the exertion stays the same, the pace goes up. Right. So that's your one choice is that you could you could accept that the exertion is going to be the same, but then you have to slow down. Yeah. In order to keep that thing the same. Your other choice is that you can Do we allow... have any idea what that number is? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll give you... I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. I'm really throwing so, a hard question at No, me. no, no. So I'll give you my theory on this. It's a ballpark and you can you can up, yeah. or up, you move this up or down. I'll tell you in a moment. So, sorry. So, so if you're going to keep the perception of effort the same, the pace has to drop. Yeah. Right? Makes sense. Yes. You've got to get slower. Cool. So instead of running five minutes a K, now you're running 5.20, 5.30. Because... Yeah. I want to feel an 8 out of 10. And the mask is adding a unit, so therefore where am I going to get that unit back? I slow down. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Or you can keep the pace the same and accept that the exertion is going to go up. 
Right. So I can say, all right, I'm running five minutes a K. I don't care that it's going to feel 20% harder. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's basically the thing that you've just got to accept. Yeah. And you, you accept that because you understand that you're doing a civic duty by wearing that thing. Okay, not yeah. necessarily outdoors, but if you're going to go to the gyms, and the gyms will open eventually. They've opened in Italy. They've opened in Australia and Asia. Yeah. Masks may become a reality when you're exercising indoors. So you asked me how much do you then regulate this down? Depends a little bit on the mask, of course. From my admittedly N of one experiments on myself and my, using my white bike, I think that the perception of effort goes up by one or two units depending on intensity. So if it's an easy day, I feel like a six instead of a five. Right. If it's a hard day, I feel like an eight instead of a six. Right. So if you're going out to do an easy session, your perception of effort will be one unit higher, which is about a 15% change. Yeah. And because at these intensities, the RPE and the intensity are linear, you could probably assume it's about a 15% speed issue as well, maybe 10%. Yeah. So five minutes. So five, yeah, sorry? I would concur with this. Yeah. So yeah. five minutes a K slowed down by 10% is 530 a K. Yeah. And that would be what I would suggest. Six minutes a K, it's pretty close. It's 636 if you want to be precise. But it's about 30 seconds a kilometer, I would think. For most and that's people. at submaximal level. That's at submax. So that's going fairly hard. When you go harder, now I reckon it's about a 15 to 20% adjustment. Okay. And so now my 345 a K has to become 415 a K, 430 a K probably. Yeah. yeah. But it depends again on the mask, right? Because if you can wear a buff that is thinner and allows a little bit of air leakage on the sides, then that perception of effort might go up by half a point. Yeah. Suddenly you're talking 5%, not 10. Mm. If you're going to wear a thick mask because you're more concerned about droplet spread and so on, then you're on the higher end. So people must just manage this payoff based on their knowledge of risk and their expectations around exercise. Because, again, like we've been asked to wear those for yeah. this benefit of society. So just get on with it now, you know. What's interesting is the, the World Health Organization two weeks ago said that you shouldn't wear a mask when you exercise. On the basis, okay, so why are they saying that? Well, they said it on the basis that it makes it more difficult to breed. I'm like, did you consult experts to come up with this pearl of wisdom? I mean, yeah, of yeah. course it makes it more difficult to breed. That in and of itself is not enough reason to not wear them. I mean, they make it more difficult to breathe when I go shopping, but yeah. I definitely have to wear them. So therefore, I, th I don't think that's a justifiable reason. They don't make it so difficult to breathe that it becomes dangerous. And well, that, that's the basis of this of this podcast we're doing now. Exactly. Is that exact question. In other words, right. they're suggesting this is the World Health Organization, which controversially controversially says a lot of things, which are sometimes yeah. a little worrying. Yeah. But um, what they what they're saying is that a lot of people are going to go out there thinking if they're saying that, I'm in danger if I, I run with a mask. I found that advice wholly unhelpful. I, I there is, and as I've tried to explain to you, and I don't know if I'm doing a good enough job convincing you that. All the evidence is that those masks change the perception, yeah. which sucks. I get it. It's not fun. I would also rather cycle and run without my mask. Yeah. I, I get that. But it's not putting me in harm's way physiologically mm -hmm. any more than exercise is. Because when I exercise, I'm, I'm doing the same things. I'm challenging oxygen. I'm challenging my body's ability to get rid of carbon dioxide. I'm challenging temperature. I'm challenging comfort. Yeah. Now I'm wearing a mask and I'm going to I'm going to change that challenge by 10% up. Yeah. 
Like that's not worth having a tantrum over. Like get over yourself. Yeah. And so, so the, all the evidence suggests that there is no harmful desaturation, oxygen. There is no harmful rebreathing of carbon dioxide unless you use a mask that is so well fitted that it's a seal, it's a big volume, and it's got huge resistance to breathing. Then you might with sufficient motivation, run yourself into physiological trouble. But for everyone else, it's not an issue. Yeah. Now, there, there, is a, there is a subgroup potentially who are at risk, people who have cardiovascular issues and regular breathing issues even without a mask, emphysema, mm -hmm. chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. People like that who put a mask on might tip the scales so far towards negative that it actually becomes quite harmful to them. Yeah. But they would know that almost straight away because they are familiar with their own breathing conditions. They understand what it feels like to not get enough air because remember these people, even, even asthma where you've got exercise-induced bronchoconstriction and you can't move air in and out, mm. the different conditions, emphysema, asthma, and so on, it's either air in or air out. A mask is going to make either of those more difficult. Mm. The irony, of course, here is that people who have asthma or exercise-induced asthma are often told that one of the things that helps is to warm the air that they're breathing. And how do you do that? You have a face covering. So one of the <laughs> things that's actually told to people with asthma is put something over your nose and mouth as you warm up because it actually settles your, your yes. respiratory airways. Now, I suffer a bit from asthma yeah. um, and, I, and I completely concur with that. In so, winter, you struggle to get going in the morning because you've got a tight chest. When yeah. you put a buff over you, it actually helps you breathe. <laughs> there you go. And so that is, that is accepted wisdom is yeah. that it's a method to use. So when I see people saying, oh, I've got exercise-induced asthma and asthma and I can't put this buff on, I'm like, actually, mm. that's the cure that you're actually turning down. In winter down. anyway. Yeah, in, yeah, for sure, in winter time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the point is that there is probably a vulnerable subgroup here, which we might have clarified out front. Up front. And hopefully these guys are getting advised by doctors anyway if they're well, in a vulnerable space. Well, that's the group. Remember, that's the group that overlaps with the highest risk of death from COVID and yeah. severe outcomes. No. So if people like that are going to go and exercise indoors and so on and expose themselves to that risk, then you've got to ask about like whether, whether they should be there in the first place. Yeah. My advice would be if you are in those high-risk groups, you exercise outdoors when nobody is within 30 meters of you. Yeah. That's what you do. You, you just avoid the disease so that you don't need the mask. Yeah. For healthy people, we are fortunate enough that we can get outdoors and we can exercise. And when we see other people in proximity, we pull that buff or that mask back over our nose and mouth. And we accept that for 10 seconds or 10 minutes or 5Ks or 10Ks, it yeah. doesn't matter, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable yeah. because the, the downside simply does not match the upside to other people. Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, we, we normally try and keep our bonus episodes down to 20 minutes, but it was such a good discussion. We were, we we're just over the half hour mark. I, I'm, I think just, just to kind of wrap it up. So, so we accept that wearing masks will have a performance cost. We accept that we should wear masks if you're in close proximity to people because it's your civic duty to do so and because we know people are asymptomatic and can spread it unknowingly mm -hmm. um, and accept that you are not, not in any danger if you are wearing a mask, if you are normally healthy. Correct. So that's, and, it's some, it's and quite so, simple. And so really the only thing you have to overcome or sidestep somehow is that perceptual challenge. And how do you do that? Three things. Number one is get a decent quality mask that fits. And in my experience, and I played around with all these masks in my little Watt bike studies, 
is if the mask has a wire over the nose, then what it does is it keeps the mask stiffer and more rigid away from your mouth. Because the worst sensation is when you breathe in and the mask sucks onto your mouth. That's yes. like being that's like being <laughs> plastic bagged from behind by someone. It's it's horrendous. It's terrible. Yeah. So what you want is something with a little bit of a rigid frame. So the masks with a wire over the nose are better. The other thing that does is it, it keeps the mask away from your mouth and you get more airflow, maybe a little bit more air leakage down, mm. and that creates a feeling of fresh air. So that temperature problem gets diminished. So those yeah. are the things you need to do is a wire, airflow or air leakage down, because then it's just going down onto your chest. It's not putting anyone in danger. Yeah. And then third, the thinnest material that you're comfortable with given the risk of this environment that you're in. Yeah. So if I'm indoors thicker if i'm outdoors thin so that's it thin yeah. ventilated rigid and then just accept this is mm. i mean how many other liberties and, and freedoms and things have you have you given up this seems yeah. trivial to me by comparison yeah. if all the evidence shows how effective it is that's going to add one thing on that I, I yesterday i was um up near the common again this time riding my bike around and um there was the common near where we are at the moment uh, in Cape Town is like almost central park in New York on any given day when it's nice weather you, there's literally probably a thousand people walking around the common mm. so it's quite a close um, lot of people in the area yeah you pass a person every five seconds exactly and and mm. i one of the things that i saw is a, it was a guy obviously pushing it quite hard looked like a good runner um he was probably you know doing three and a half minutes a k around there and he was going the opposite direction to me no mask literally mask around his neck um, but clearly at flat out speed going past lots and lots of people. And I always think that the best advice in this situation is if you want to do that, if you want to go out there and push a hard 5K, find a stretch of road or a trail or whatever it is you want to do and do it where there's nobody nearby. Exactly. And if you're going to go and run around a common where there's lots of people, whether you live in, in London and you're going around Richmond Park or all those sort of areas and you're in close proximity to people, then accept that you have to ride or run slower and just be socially responsible. But, you know, if you're going to go out and do that flat out session, find that 5K loop that you can do in your house and go and do it at 6 o'clock in the morning when there aren't lots of people mm. because you can still do it and you can still do it without affecting other people. And I think that's the message. Yeah, just be considerate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and so I agree. I agree. That might be the title of this podcast. <laughs> Follow the Science of Sport podcast at SportsSciPod and on Instagram at Science of Sport Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 